0: mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices message and data rates may apply bank of america and a member FDIC.
1: it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper episode 187 of below the belt no quirky catch right there really i don't think uh for 187 i can't remember a fight being at 187 um but back again joined by my good friend john mcdonald how are you sir hi
0: colin very well thank you how are you
1: yeah man good it was nice to have a couple of um a couple of domestic cards at the weekend well kind of they're kind of domestic one being over here, and then one being in Vegas on UK time, um, which they stuck John Fisher on Johnny Fisher on the card to sell a few tickets because, save it right, Connor Ben isn't sending any tickets out there. Um, so yeah, a, a pretty good weekend, all in all. But today, uh, John, uh, another John, John Ryder announced his retirement. Did you see that?
0: I did. I seen that just before we started recording. Um, Good career, a guy who looked as if he was finished many a time managed to come back and reinvent himself at 168. Really nice guy, can't fault him. That iconic image of him standing between rounds with a bust nose, blood dripping from it in Mexico against Canelo. You know every bit of success he earned. Good guy.
1: Yeah, I I, th- I think uh, he can be really. He may not have, have won loads of titles. Um, you know, he pushed Billy Joe Saunders really close for the British title. A lot of people thought he won that. Um obviously Box Canelo for the undisputed super middleweight title, didn't quite get it over the line. They won some Intercontinentals and some other bits and bobs. Um, but didn't really win many major, major titles, um, if any. Um but yeah, good guy some good fights, some good nights. Arguably should have beat Callum Smith for the WBA super middleweight title. Um yeah, he could be very, you know, proud of his career. Um but I saw he'd retired, John, and I know you don't mind a wee quit. Does that count as a quit?
0: Yeah, like, I think retiring is the ultimate quit. <laughs> it's the quit where we give them their flowers.
1: It's the one quit that they're not judged for, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, fair enough.
0: We, 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 we absolutely allow the big quit. It's the little quits that people have problems with. Yeah,
1: one big quit. The, the big quit, I think it's the right way to word it. Um... You wouldn't you wouldn't say someone retiring is you know they shat the bed. Somebody you would say is shat the bed is Tyson Fury because you know this this pretend cut that he's got he's you know he's managed to pull out the fight with Alexander Usyk. He's, he was on Instagram earlier today showing off his cut. I'm um, just being silly, obviously, but uh, yeah, he was on Instagram earlier on showing off his cut. His fight with Alexander Usyk um, pushed back, I think, to the 10th of May, uh, still in Saudi. Um, Was it actually a little bit worried? I didn't watch this interview. um, But was it a little concerning to you that Tyson Fury was sat with um, Turkey uh, out in Saudi, his excellency, as as everyone likes to call him? He was kind of sat with him, kind of the and they're like, you know, seems like they're very chummy. I don't know, that's a little concerning for me, is the guy that's, you know, kind of putting on these boxing matches that Tyson Fury seems to be so chummy with him. makes you worry about the judging in the fight, doesn't it?
0: See, I actually wasn't concerned. I think I got more vibes of a hostage proof of life video (laughs) than I did best pals. Like, I think he got called into the gaffer's office for a Mm bullocking and told if this fight doesn't come off, you're going to owe us X amount of money, and now we're going to sit down, and you're going to tell people that this fight is going ahead, and it's all right. That that was the vibe I got from it. It felt like getting hauled into the headmaster's office okay. for a dressing down. That
1: sounds good to me. I didn't watch it, so it sounds like you. It sounds like you've seen more of it than I have. The the the, the, the less I can see of Tyson Fury speaking, the better. Really, I'm I'm <laughs> just about watching box for a gritted teeth, but watching him speak, I try to avoid that with as much as I possibly can. So yeah, that makes sense actually that, you know, Big Turk has kind of um got him in got him in the room and said, Right, get on this video, show people the cut. You're doing this fucking fight. And I can definitely see that. This guy's putting a lot of money and I think a lot of people think, you know, people like him, um that because they've got money that they're stupid or because they're not boxing people air quotes that, they, that he's stupid he's a money mark if you like to use the wrestling term but he's probably not that you know and so they they want to get their money back on this or as much money as they can out of it or get kind of their coins worth and they want an undisputed heavyweight title fight to take place out in the kingdom of Saudi um, so yeah uh, let's hope you're right let's hope you're right and we get this fight on May the 10th and I also did you also see, John, um, first of June, um, it's gonna be three weeks later, is going to be the big undisputed fight, along with the matchroom Queensbury five versus five, uh, Bivol versus Better for the undisputed light heavyweight title, and then on the undercard will be the Queensbury versus Matram five five fights of Queensbury versus Matram. Did you see that announcement?
0: I did. It's exciting. Like that is a fight that seemed very far away. Until all this Saudi money came washing into the sport, mm. I don't think we would have got it otherwise. Like Bob Adam and Eddie Hearn weren't really looking to do much on that front. And now hey, we've got it; it's a fantastic fight. Whatever five low-value prospects, both Matchroom and Queensberry put together, will be interesting enough. So yeah, like I'm happy with it. Yeah, are you
1: you don't think you don't think a Callum Smith Anthony Yard lands on it?
0: No, I don't think we get anything major. I would be very surprised if we get anything remotely decent because that would be helping Frank rebuild Yard at this point because I haven't been impressed by Callum Smith. Like I think he's probably the most overrated British fighter of the last 10 years or so.
1: I can go with that.
0: I can go with. And that. I think that Eddie would just be helping Frank rebuild Yard's reputation, unless the Saudis want the winner there. But they've already expressed interest in a potential Bevall against Opataya fight. So I think they'll be directing the winner up rather than mm-hmm. facing Anthony Yard, Calum Smith winner type scenarios. How I kind of see it, but. I've been wrong on big calls like this before, and with all the money that's going about, anything's possible. But I think it's probably going to be some quite low-value stuff on the undercard. Is my guess? Mm. Are you optimistic for better?
1: I would hope so, just because the cards have been pretty good so far out in Saudi in these this recent kind. They have been pretty decent, so I'm hopeful that although the the, the card, the Usyk. the, the Usyk Fury undercard wasn't amazing, but it was okay, and so I'm hopeful that they'll, you know, they'll do something to make it, to juice it up a bit. I was hopeful it'd be Yard Calvin Smith, and then maybe some prospects underneath that. What about Hamza Shiraz against Felix Cash, something like that?
0: Well, Hamza Shiraz has got to get past Liam Williams this weekend, first of all. Mm. But like, I would be very happy with that. It's all gone a bit quiet on the Felix Cash front. Recently announced that he's now training with Adam Booth. So it'll be interesting to see how he's progressing. I'd love a fight like that. But again, I think both Matchroom and Queensbury have got vague world aspirations for both Cash and Shiraz. Like, I think it's going to be more the type of guys that they're either looking to cash out, or mm. guys who they're not sure about and want to have a wee look at.
1: Mm. Yeah, that does make sense. That does make sense. You don't really want to put, a, you know, a money fighter in there on an undercard that they could lose, and that's kind of that. Or their stock has dropped dramatically at the very least. Um, so yeah, I, I think you, you're, you're probably you are probably right. Talking of Felix Cash, I didn't realise he'd gone to Adam Booth. But I'm not surprised. Um, these Tony Sims before, wasn't he? Um yeah. And that gym's taken a bit of a battering since the whole Conor Ben thing, reputational wise at least. Um uh, Did you see the the footage of Ben Whitaker and Felix Cash sparring?
0: No, I haven't seen that. Oh. What
1: happened? With Ben is moving him around. He's moving him around, he's 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 lighting him up. To be honest. Yes, it's a spa. Spars don't mean anything. I don't like I don't put a lot of stock into gym stories or into sparring. But he's he's obviously naturally bigger as well, but he's moving him around and he is lighting him up with shots. He is he's taking the piss out of him, to be honest. Um so yeah, yeah, but Ben Wicker's an elite amateur, he's been very active as a pro and and Felix Cash hasn't boxed for it feels like forever now or he hasn't boxed yeah. much so I don't put too much in it like I said it's just sparring but he's
0: he's lighting him up John that's interesting so how bad is it is it Paul Spadafora beating up Floyd Mayweather bad
1: Floyd Mayweather was never beaten up okay let's just, let's get that out of the way um,
0: <laughs> yes you know the spar I mean
1: yes yes yeah it is yeah it is he is like it's it's edited in a way that makes Whittaker look very good you don't really see Felix Cash ever any success at all. It's just clips, but he's getting lit up. Like, yeah, Whitaker's looking very good and Felix Cash is not. He's kind of looking like the guys that Whitaker's fighting at the minute. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe it was one of them because you, you can never tell under the head guard, can you? No. Um, talk, well, because we're about to move on to the um, Joshua Boazzi card. Ben Whitaker. In, to an extent got all the headlines again you like him don't you you still feel the same
0: absolutely Like, I think he's doing his job correctly I understand the criticism it does look like bullying when he's doing it to guys so beneath his level but it's working the amount of times I've seen the highlights of him clowning poor Khalid Gradia about doing the rounds on social media from people who don't follow boxing is an indication that he's doing it well. He is generating hype. He's generating interest. I think he's brilliant. I think he's a really good fighter. He's an interesting prospect. He's an interesting character. And he gets people talking, and that's what we need. We don't have a lot of genuine... Stadium headliners in Britain at the minute—it's hard to see who many of the next generation are. I bet you Ben Whitaker, ben Whitaker will be selling out stadiums in the Midlands in no time at all. Do mm. You think that's fair?
1: Yeah, I, I think um, you know. I, I not just you know. I think we—you made a good point. You know, we don't have many people now that can fill up stadiums. I'd argue we don't have many people that can fill up a big arenas that can fill up the O2. Um, and yeah. so or Manchester Arena whatever it's called now um, so I, I, I think I think actually what Boxer are doing because I, I, I he did annoy me before because I felt like a lot of people did that mate you're taking the piss out of people well below your level um, which is still true but actually how I view it is that Boxer are doing a fantastic job building him up they are building him up like a shit eating hill that everyone's going to hate or a lot of people are going to hate and they are going to be dying for the honest pro to come along and beat him and that's that's going to sell tickets that's going to sell that's going to put bums on seats and it may even sell some pay-per-views one day um so i think they're doing a great job boxer building him up i've been quite critical of you know how they run things but i think with him i think they're doing it right um they're building him up to be a shit eating heel. He's doing the whole Prince and Seam bit cosplay, Prince and Seam cosplay bit that he's got going on. But Prince and Seam's prime was thirty years ago, nearly. So fucking let him do it. No one, no one you know, there's a lot of the younger guys who do not even know who Prince and Seam is. So you know, let him have his fun. I, I think the referee was right to stop him spinning around and showing his back and stopping him doing things that are illegal. I think the ref's right to do that um, because those are the rules and the refs there to enforce them. But I don't mind it at all, John.
0: It's funny though, the Prince Nazim Hamed comparisons are being made a lot, and I think it's partly because of the Adidas ring gear and everything else. Mm-hmm. But he's pretty much doing the same things that Boots Ennis is doing and has done. A lot of the moves look very Boots Ennis rather than Prince Nazim Hamed to me, and the funny thing is. Boots does not get the same degree of hate. Like, in the US, they love somebody who's flashy and showy. It doesn't matter in which sport, if it's basketball, American football, boxing. Whereas here, we hate a show-off. We want a meat-and-potatoes agricultural plodder opposed to a big flashy guy who's shit-hot and knows it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right, actually. We're we're kind of all about manners, aren't we, over here? Being polite, being good sports people. Um I actually think there's probably a racial element there as well. A lot of people don't like me hearing yeah. that. You know, people loved it when Billy Joe Saunders, you know, was um when David Lemie missed a shot and he's posing in the crowd and you know, I think there's perhaps a bit of that as well. We you know, people might not like that, but tough shit. Um So yeah, I, I like him. I'm warming to him. Um and like I said last time out if he does it to some French European champion people will fucking love it like if he and I think he's good enough I'm actually starting to believe he's good enough um, to, to do it at, at a higher level I think we're getting there now where it's perhaps time to get to a higher level I think perhaps it's good enough for him to you know now all the domestic titles you know Joshua Boatsy's just just won at the weekend and he's
2: Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Probably going to
1: vacate them all. It's probably, he can probably start to go for that level. Is that what you'd like to see for him?
0: I think they need to start stepping him up in some way because whilst I agree they're giving him the platform on Sky Sports to become this big monster heel the guys he's fighting really aren't moving the needle. There's a fantastic form of cynical matchmaking that Matchroom perfected with Conor Ben during the sort of pandemic era where they built him into this monster with really cynical matchmaking Mm. by finding guys who had previously been durable who were right at the end of their career. Mm. Like, there's still people like that floating about. There's... Najib Mohammadi, who is now 38, but most of his losses have come in very good company against Kovalev, Vojdik. It's people like that, you know, lost to cleverly way back in the day. He's still going. He's 38. He's got a low punch output. He's not really a puncher. It's the sort of fight where he could look very good in beating up Mohamedy. And he is the French former European champion you were speaking of. Mm. You know, he could really look the part against a slowing, ageing guy who isn't particularly dangerous. If they don't want to go that route, there's someone like Ricky Summers who had a competitive fight with Dan Aziz. There's lots of options out there, but it just needs to be progressive, whether it's domestic guys or people with a bit of a name and a reputation that he can start looking like a monster. Like Ben Shalom was trying to make a big deal out of the fact that he'd stopped Gradia quicker than people like Aziz had previously, but you're dealing with a glorified journeyman. Like it needs to be of a higher caliber, but whilst he's still in eight rounders, they're going to struggle to attract the caliber of fighter needed to progress his reputation. They need to get him to 10 and 12 rounds as soon as possible.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I do. I think you're right. Is it is it Shaqan Pitters? You know, British champion or former British champion. You know, it, is it is it is it too soon for Lyndon Arthur? Is it Dan Aziz? You know, I, 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 Shaqan Pitters is forty thirty four now. You know, and he's known. He's boxed on Channel Five. He's been British champion. Um, I think he might be coming off a loss though. Um, but perhaps people of that level. I think I think the domestic doing the domestic thing. People that can talk back. People that can maybe sell a few tickets, um, they might. That might be the way to go. You know, I think Laron Richards might be you know in and around light heavy as well. Um, I think there's you know there might be even Jean Pascal. Do you get Jean Pascal over? You know, to someone that's known. Everybody knows who he is. Go on.
0: Why wasn't he fighting Boris Crichton this weekend? Mm. Like, Boris Crichton gave Lyndon Arthur a tough fight on Channel 5 he's been in an 8 rounder against Callum Simpson on Boxer before so they know how to make that fight and today it's announced that he's fighting Craig Spider Richards Like he would have been a perfectly suitable step up domestic guy had fought on Channel 5, had given Lyndon Arthur a tough fight, Lyndon Arthur had beaten Anthony Yard, Anthony Yard who'd given uh, better be of a tough fight like there was a narrative that could have been spun there rather than going look he stopped this guy quicker than Dan Aziz who isn't a known puncher mm. like they, they're not very good at connecting fighters and spinning the larger narrative like that's one thing that Eddie and Matchroom are very very good at they can really hype a fighter with the correct fights and I think boxer missing a trick it's the same with how they've been matching Freezer Clark up to this point. Mm-hmm.
1: I think what I think what perhaps what Matram do, which um Boxer don't do, is when they're ma- when they matchmake, they're playing to their base. Uh as the the politicians would say. And what I mean by that is they know, Matram, that the boxing fans are gonna watch. They know that the hardcore, that no boxing that know who all these guys are, that know who Lyndon Arthur is and Dex Spellman and all these people, they know who these people are. They know they're going to watch. Whereas what Boxer are doing is they're, they're just getting cans in, who people don't know. So you're not really playing to the base because the base can see that that's a can. They They, they don't, you know, they... It's not someone that even the hardcores know. It's just a can for them to knock over. And you're right; they've done it with Fraser Clark, and they seem to be doing the same with Ben Whitaker. They need to get some people that are known to the base, to the hardcores, and that might that might get the hardcores taking more interest. And then you go for the, you know, and then the the casual is going to take care of him, take care of itself because of the style.
0: Absolutely, I completely agree. And again, it's finding. The intersection, I think that's what Matchroom did very well with Ben because they were able to get him people like Vargas, who'd fought Khan. They were able to get Algieri, who'd fought Pacquiao. And they were able to get Chris Van Heerden, who'd fought Errol Spence. But they got all these guys right on the death rattle of their career. Like, all these people either retired after losing to Ben or fought once or twice more, but these people were finished and ready to go, and that is what they did. It was a name value that they could link to a big name for the casuals that the hardcores were familiar with, Mm. and at the time to be dropped in spectacular fashion to try and artificially build a monster. And I think Boxer could learn from that in terms of generating the hype
1: mm, yeah i think they could learn a, a bit or two there's a lot of kind of criticism against boxer there's not many proper proper boxing people there and i think if they could if they could start to play to the hardcores a little bit more in terms of them in terms of their the way they bring prospects up i think that would really help i think that would really help bring eyes to their product and i actually think it would help with you know, their fighters development as well. But I think it goes about saying that Whitaker's ready, more than ready to get above can level now. You know, Let's, let's get him in a, in a, let's get him in a place where he might have to take a dig or two. Not saying we want to see him lose or get stopped or whatever, but you know, let's, let's see him, let's start to see him get pushed a little bit. Someone's going to come to win instead of coming to survive. I think that's, I think that's important for him. Um, but even though we're talking all about, you know, Ben Whitaker, um, John, it was headlined by uh, Joshua Boazzi and uh, Dan Aziz. Um, Did I get that right? It was for the British Commonwealth European Light Heavyweight title. It was also a WBA eliminator. Um, Joshua Boazzi won handily, didn't he, in the end?
0: He did. It was a competitive fight with a clear winner. All the rounds were competitive. Boazzi just was better in the majority of them. It was a fun fight, judging by the reaction of some of the people who were there. I think it might have been a better fight to be at than to watch on TV. Like, Rob Tebbett of Boxing News was really enthralled. If you look at his feed, he thought it was an absolutely cracking fight, which... I don't think it was on TV. I thought it was a very good fight. It was a fun fight. I enjoyed it, but it seemed to be a little bit more special in the arena. And that happens sometimes. There are some fights that just do, do not translate that well to TV as they do being there live, but it was good. I thought that Buati was okay. I wasn't as impressed with him as some people were, but he won handily. What did you think?
1: I thought he won at a canter. And I actually thought he took the middle rounds off and he let Dan Aziz back into the fight. I don't think Danaziz was close to his level, to be honest. What the um Buatzi's left hand could not miss, it, uh, upstairs or downstairs, he could not miss with it. He was hit, hitting him with left hooks to the body from round one, and then in the middle rounds, it was left hook, right uppercut. He couldn't miss with that combination time and again. And he just looked, he, he looked like he was the puncher, he looked the bigger man, he looked the the technically better fighter, I think he had a few rounds off in the middle, which he's guilty to do, guilty of doing, I think he's shown, and I, th- I think he's probably felt this, that he's above domestic level, he's well above domestic level, the issue he had is he hasn't taken any fights at world level. And so he's kind of in this middle place where he's too good for domestic level, but the two very, very best guys at world level are going to fight each other, and have, and he's shown really no interest, even though he's been offered to fight guys like Bivol, um, even Jean Pascal. He didn't fight, um, so yeah. I, I thought he won. I thought he won handily. Um, I thought the points was about right one seventeen, one hundred nine twice, and one sixteen, one ten. Yeah, I think eight four, nine three with the, with the knockdowns was about right. What did you think of the knockdowns? They were a bit odd, weren't they?
0: they were harsh given that both men had almost lost their footing on the logos on the canvas previously and given the way that he went down i think it was very clear that both were slips i think it was quite harsh to call them knockdowns personally like there were punches involved but it wasn't the punch that put him down what did you think
1: yeah i I think you've you've I think you was right how you said it. there, there was punch, He was landing punches, Buatzi, But the way Aziz went down showed us that it was a slip. He went down with very, with very straight legs. And that was kind of a... There was no attempt to kind of... Normally when someone goes down, they'll kind of crumple and go down. But the way he went, it was almost... You could see that he'd slipped. Even the one in the final round, you could see he slipped. Did you feel towards the end, in that last 30 seconds, when the body punches of Boazzi had clearly caught up with Aziz and he looked, Aziz looked like he was blowing. Um, did you think that Boazzi took his foot off the gas and let his mate survive?
0: Absolutely. They have sparred countless rounds together. They get on very well. There's a lot of respect there. Boazzi wanted his mate to hear the final bell, And fair enough. Like I've got no issue in that situation. My gripe... With Buati is what it's always been is the low punch output, the rounds taken off in the middle. I used to think that he had a phenomenally high ceiling when he burst on the scene as a prospect, but he just lacks that second phase, that third gear to go through to get rid of guys who don't just fall over when he lands his one nice clean shot in a combination. Mm. He He frustrates me no end. It's starting to give me James DeGale vibes. (laughs) He's not leaning on the ropes in the same way, but he's taking his breaks. And we're still talking about Joshua Boazzi's potential. He's 30 years of age. Yeah, You know, when was the last time Joshua Boazzi looked devastating? Do we have to go back to the Conroy fight, Mm. who's an English title level guy Mm. five years ago? Mm. Like, he just, he hasn't set the pulse racing sense like i believe he can be competitive with top guys but i just don't see this version this guy who seems so laid back and he doesn't have the dog in him where's the killer instinct Mm. am i being harsh
1: no i don't think you're being harsh at all and it's almost like he's in a comfort zone and he's you know, like I was just talking about the matchmaking a minute ago, it's like he doesn't want to come out of the comfort zone. He's happy to just box in second gear and be loads better than everybody else. He's happy to play at Sunday League instead of take taking that move to League One. Do you know what I mean? He's happy to be the best kid on the pitch uh, and, and not really step, in, step up to that level. He'd he boxed so much with Dan Aziz, he knew he was going to beat Dan Aziz. He knew it. He spied him a million times. He knew he was going to win handily, he knew he'd win a few belts. And it was built up to be a competitive fight, but I don't think it was you know our friend Sean Brown did the did the picture boxing news. There was I think it was about forty to ten in the end, and I don't know who the ten were. Um, yeah, it was. It, it just seems like he's just too comfortable, and I don't think he's going to get a fight with better Bev or Bivol because he's just left it too long now, and I think he'll have to wait for the next phase to come along. But by then he might be too old and it might be some Eastern European filth bag that, that that he has to fight for a world title and he ends up getting smashed in because he's let it go for too long. You know. What um but what do you think he does next? What do you think happens with him next?
0: I think he probably bides his time <laughs> because there will be discussions with Frank Warren regarding an Anthony Yard fight. Uh, Frank thinks that the winner of Better Be Evan Beval is off to cruiserweight. Those discussions will be very short and that fight won't be happening and both men will just wait to pick up vacant titles. Because of Frank's relationship with uh, Turkey Al Al Sheik, he will know what the long-term game plan is because, as I've said previously on here, I believe that the belts and things that would motivate fighters are going to become second behind what the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia see as the route forward for a boxer's career. So if the Saudis want the winner taking on al that's what's going to happen. The belts will be vacant if they want to keep the winner there for a while to fight.
2: With the Lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Yard again or potentially for the first time depending on who's victorious then that's what's going to happen so I think it's probably going to be either wait for vacant title or potentially fight Anthony Yard mm. what do you think?
1: Yeah I, I think you're right I think he could wait I could see him perhaps boxing in an and elimin- he's just had the WBA final eliminator I could see him going for an interim title or a regular belt he's with the WBA so he might I know they're supposed to be kind of amalgamating their titles now, but I could see him doing something soft like a regular title. Um, or he's only got to wait until June, and then the belts might be vacant by June, um, and he could pick up a belt then. So um, actually, with that in mind, and I asked uh, Paul and Luke this last time on, who would you fancy better be or Bivov? of? Who, who do you think is going to win that? <sighs>
0: It's a very difficult call for me. I flip-flop. I can see how both guys can win this. Today, I'm leaning Better Biev. I think Bivol's lack of punch power currently is going to be an issue and Better Beev will get success. But ask me tomorrow and I can think that it's Bivol's footwork. Is going to keep better Biev be at range most of the night. So I flip flop. Do you have a strong lean one way or the Str- other?
1: Yeah, last time out I said better be. Ever. I haven't changed my mind. Uh, I just think, I just think he's 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 had the tougher fights, and he's but he always gets them out of there. He's just so unrelenting, and he hits so hard. And I don't think Bivol has the power to keep him off. I don't think he's a puncher. And i you know, I think someone like an Anthony Yard is a much bigger puncher, and so I just think that he'll walk through bival shots, and I think he'll just get him out of there. It'll be late, it might even be round twelve, but and he might even be losing the fight on points, but I just think he'll I think he'll just break him. I think he'll just break him down and get him out of there in the end because that's what that's what Arthur BF <laughs> does. He gets in the ring, he walks you down, he might lose some rounds, he might eat some shots, but he will break you because he's stronger than you, he hits harder than you and he's fitter than you and I don't see it to be any different this way. And I like Bivol, but I just think this is this is what he does. He's 39 but he lives like a saint. You know. He lives like a saint and I just think but, yeah. So yeah, sorry.
0: But Cal, what does Bivol do?
1: <sighs> he lives like yeah, a saint as well. Everybody. Yeah, he does. He lives like a saint. Yeah, he
0: he does. mesmerizes people with his footwork, he controls distance, he makes people fall short.
1: He makes that is what he does. He does, but he makes he's not done it at the level that Better Bev does. Better Bev's record of fighters is much better than Bivol's. His record's loads better loads oh,
0: better his record is better I wouldn't personally I don't think it's loads better I think neither of them have got the deepest resume in the world like Better Biev has got the best win in Vojdik, mm. which I think is a tremendous win I really I thought Vojdik was actually going to be the one to beat Better mm. I thought he was that mix of boxer puncher who was going to be able to keep him at bay keep him honest and break him down and I was completely wide off the mark but the rest of Better Biev's resume isn't all that deep
1: Mm, mm. well we shall see, we shall see hopefully we will get to see on June the 1st Um, but yeah I I, I think better Biev but yeah, Bivov was a fantastic fighter and do you know what I forgot for a second that his performance performances against Canelo. You f- it's easy to forget he beat Canelo and beat him so comfortably as well. <laughs> you forget all about it because it was actually really one sided, wasn't it? Um, it was. Yeah, it was, and go on.
0: The reason I don't have the Canelo win as the best winner of the pair is because he's not really a light heavyweight. Yeah.
1: Yeah, um, and he's closer to being a middleweight, really, and it was so one sided. And actually what I also forgot was his performance against Gilberto Ramirez. That was a fantastic performance. He was brilliant that night. Yep. And that he was undefeated Ramirez at the time. Um so yeah, yeah, I can see it. I can see it both ways, but maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm a little bit biased. I love better BF.
0: Oh, he's fantastic. Yeah. He's a wrecking machine, and it makes for great telly. Like he's he's the easier fighter to get behind. There's no doubt about it.
1: Yeah, it may be a little bit of heart overhead. It may be a little bit. Yeah, I guess he's just a little bit more exciting, isn't he? Um, but we'll see. We shall see. You gotta love the boxrec rankings. They've got Gilberto Ramirez as the number one cruiserweight in the world. <laughs> gotta love it. He's mental in it.
0: Super. Don't you just love the algorithms? The algorithms, great. It's
1: that makes batch makes absolutely no sense at all. The only thing they get right is when they list Floyd Mayweather as the greatest fighter of all time. That's like that's the only thing I can um, I can get along with. That like yes, yes, that's the one thing they get right on their rankings. Um, number two on the on the box wreck. Um, uh cruiseweight rankings, is Chris billum Smith, and even though they didn't announce a date in a venue, unless I missed it, apologies if I missed it, but I was listening out for a date in a venue because I was I've always been taught unless they announce a date in a venue, it ain't fucking happening yet. But it sounds like Chris <laughs> billum Smith is going to fight Richard Reactport in a rematch, um, somewhere, I imagine in
0: England. You look at you, you, this good fight? Good rematch? It's a competitive fight, but I really didn't enjoy their first fight. It was very ugly. It was at the stage of his career where Richard Riakpore in that fight looked a bit like Lawrence Okoli light. It was a lot of hugging and it, it wasn't an entertaining spectacle. I believe both men have improved, I think, that Reakpor is a much better fighter now than he was then so I'm not writing it off as a bad fight it's a good competitive fight mm-hmm. it just might not necessarily be an exciting one but Chris Smith managed to drag Okoli into a fight that was vaguely watchable so you never know
1: what do you think vaguely watch i remember thinking watching that Billum smith Coley fight i never want to see either one of these people in a boxing ring ever <laughs> again i was i was a, i was absolutely livid with lawrence acoli absolutely livid but Billum smith didn't didn't he didn't some of the language i used about him and he's apparently lovely apparently a really nice guy um but when people really like someone i have to hate on them it's just part of who i am it's part of my dna um <laughs> yeah so i'm looking forward to it just because it's it's interesting they're 33 and 34 respectively so it's shit or get off the pot really for both of them isn't it um it's a shame that react poor couldn't pick up a world title of his own uh to bring to that fight would have made it a much bigger fight um yeah and react poor won the first time a split decision um i had it in my head it was a stoppage it was not it was a split decision um so yeah we we go again um You fancy React Poor second time around again to repeat or revenge?
0: I lean towards React Poor, but Chris Billum-Smith showed a great deal of heart and just will to win against the cuddling machine that is Lawrence Acoli. So I wouldn't be surprised if he finds a way again. There wasn't much between them the first time. I'm not convinced there's a great deal between them second time round. So we'll see. Like I think that React Poor will start as a slight favourite, but it's it's a good, interesting, competitive fight. I'm just not sure it'll be a fun watch. Oh,
1: I fancy Billem Smith, you know. I think Bill Smith might I think he just he finds a way. He does find a way. And I I think I think Shane McGregor's a fantastic trainer. I think he's head and shoulders above every other trainer in the country, to be honest, as a tactician like in, in putting a plan together i think he's excellent um so i do fancy Billum smith i think the trainer the training setup might be the difference here but i like react poor i think it's gonna be a competitive fight i'm looking forward to it uh they just need to announce a date and a venue otherwise i don't believe it uh the other fight which they did announce a venue uh, and a date in march uh was fabio wardley uh against my mate fraser Clark. um they finally got Fraser Clark in with someone with a pulse, John.
0: Yeah, uh, who knew? Like, I didn't think that they were going to show any interest in that fight, but they've made it, and it's all good for British boxing that prospects coming through are fighting each other. Fabio Wardley seems to be getting a run of them after the David Adelaide fight over in uh, Saudi Arabia. So, yeah, like it's interesting. I worry... About the grounding that Fraser Clark has had for this fight because Bogdan Dinu, Marius Bach, and David Allen isn't the best preparation for Fabio Wardley, but it's good. I like it. I'm here for it. Do you think it's good?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It feels like, you know, they're not really involved in the stuff that's going on, you know, in Saudi. Are they boxer as yet? You never know. Um, You know, we've just seen fucking. You know, Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren are going out for dinners together, so um, <laughs> anything's possible. Boxer might be able to wangle their way in there. Why not? Why not? Right? Um, but um, yeah, I-, I think they've seen what's going on in Saudi. For all, oh, we-, we could get left behind here. We need to pick things up and let's start making the fights now. So, you know, there's not waited for a Coley. It says a lot about a Coley that you know he's he had a rematch clause with Bill Smith and has not taken it. And Billum Smith's about to box for a second time since their fight, so I think that's him kind of out of the cruiserweight equation now. Um, And then also, yeah, Wardley and um, and Fraser Clark, you know, people who, you know, he made a bit of a tit of himself, Fraser, to be honest, with that, you know, one in the purse bid and then pulling out of it. Well, not so much him, but his management, but they represent him. So Um, yeah, so now it's they're going, they've got to go now. Who would you fancy again? I'm going to put you on the spot, Fabio Wardley and Fraser Clark. Who would you pick?
0: Fabio Wardley. Like I, I like Clark. I think he is a good fighter. He spent a long time on the GB setup, but Wardley has had the better professional grounding for a fight like this. He's managed the occasion of a big domestic fight, although it didn't take place in Britain against David Adley. Mm. I just think that. All the advantages at the minute lie with him. It's not necessarily that he's the better fighter overall, but I think at this stage in his career, it's at the right time for him. And because of the way they've matched Fraser Clark too soon for Clark, how do you see? Agree,
1: one hundred percent. He has not had the fights to prepare him for someone with the seasoning that that Fabio Wardley has. Um, Fabio Wardley punches ridiculously hard. Um, he's getting people out of there. I was never, I never why people thought the David Adelaide fight would be close to be honest he he's not had the fights at all um, to to bring him for wardley and wardley's been you know he's done well he's been matched well he, uh, some of the people who've boxed you could argue were on the wane um but he, he he left no doubt he left no doubt whether it's Nathan Gorman um you know he's left no doubt David Adelaide he's got them out of there and i think he'll get i think he'll get Fraser Clark out of there to be honest And I can put that all behind me, John. I can put it all behind me. (laughs) I win. (laughs) (laughs) Then he can retire. (laughs) And I win.
0: (laughs) Uh, He can can go for the big quit and you can be happy. I can be happy. I can
1: rest. I can rest. I was reminded of that yesterday when I was at at a social event about my faux pas with mixing up fraser clark and joe joe joyce to fraser (laughs) clark's face uh yeah that's that's my night's sleep ruined for tonight um one thing i didn't watch it um because i don't didn't have the facilities to watch two fights at once um so i chose to watch joshua boazzi against uh dan aziz on it on at exactly the same time uh, on DAZN was Conor Ben's decision win over Peter Dobson out in Vegas at three thirty in the afternoon. Um, when you heard that the fight was announced, uh, but you're much more knowledgeable than I am, um, did you think that Peter Dobson was a white Irishman and not an African American when that fight was announced? <laughs>
0: No, but only because this is Matchroom's third attempt at matching one of their prospects with Peter Dobson. Right,
1: so you was aware of him, right?
0: Yeah, he'd previously been announced to fight Keevan Aguiarco. He was meant to be fighting McCormack and then eventually fought... Connor Ben, and during the lockdown, I think it was Craig Scott liked to go and interview random fighters from across the world. So he did a feature on Peter Dobson for Boxing Social. So that is the only reason I knew he was not a white Irishman.
1: I I absolutely believed he was a white Irishman until the week of the fight.
0: <laughs>
1: until they did the press conference, I had it in my head he was a white Irishman. And they were just having a kind of a domestic-ish dust-up in Vegas, and then it was the week of. I was like, "Oh, he's an African American from New York, <laughs> and he can talk a bit." I was like, "Okay, okay, cool." Uh, and he looked he looked naturally bigger than Conor Ben. Um, I thought I didn't think it'd be interesting, and uh, I thought Conor Ben would get him out of there. But interestingly, John he did not get him out of there.
0: He did not, and there was a lot of people really going heavy on the betting for early stoppages and things. But Peter Dobson was an okay amateur. He was a New York Golden Gloves guy. He's sparred the likes of Boots in the past. He's not a mug. He's got enough about himself. He's not the most responsible defensively. He keeps that left hand low. He's open to right hands. He's got a low punch output. I never thought that Ben was going to win, but I wasn't surprised when Ben failed to get him out of there. Have you seen any of it at all?
1: Uh, yeah, I did. I watched the first few rounds. Basically, they the, both the fights started at the same time. So actually, I think I got to watch round one before the Barazzi fight started. And then after that, I was kind of flicking back and forth. But Boazzi Aziz was interesting to me. So I didn't end up flicking back. But yeah, he was landing big shots, and and Dobson looked he looked durable. He looked like he looked like a good journeyman pro, really. Um, but it was at one hundred and fifty the fight, wasn't it? He? he weighed one hundred and fifty, and and yeah. Conor Ben, I saw something interesting on online um, that he weighed one hundred and seventy the following morning. He was a light heavy, so he would have been a light heavyweight by the time he gets in the ring. It's really surprising, actually, isn't it? That Conor Ben, a, a sky, he doesn't look tall. And with his frame, he doesn't look like he'd be a light heavyweight, but by the time he got in the ring Saturday night, he would have been, or Saturday afternoon, he would have been a light heavy in the ring, but he just, perhaps perhaps Dobson was just, you know, had a solid chin on him. What do you think?
0: Dobson did some clever things. He managed to be leaning back when taking most of these punches. He did the sort of Kevin Kingpin Johnson journeyman moves of leaning back taking the sting out of the punches he was never really coming forward to get caught flush he was picking his spots and as i've mentioned earlier on like conor bens tremendous power was somewhat manufactured mm. because there's a lot made of the fact that he stopped algeria early and Algeria had previously been very durable. But Algeria was also what, 36 when they fought, mm. and he'd been skittled by Manny Pacquiao six times. He'd been down twice against Provodnikov. Mm. He'd been down three times against Spence. You know, he'd taken a lot of hard fights. Yep. He'd never had a win of note at 147. He was 36. He'd taken a lot of punches from very big punchers the timing was right and as I said most of these guys that he fought during that massive knockout phase never fought again Mm. the people he went the distance with like Formella for example is still fighting still going on anybody with a bit more ambition who wasn't quite finished he wasn't getting out of there so it was a little bit of smoke and mirrors to begin with i have never really bought this Ben as a massive puncher but His punches certainly haven't had any effect on Orozco or Dobson, to be perfectly honest, and he was getting clipped by Dobson. Mm. So do you think that his power was previously overrated or that he just suddenly isn't hitting quite as hard as he used to? Uh,
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think he was fighting washed-up Americans and for the reasons you said earlier on, they were people that were known to the, the hardcores and to people that perhaps follow boxing a little bit but not you know, aren't the hardcores. So Algieri, like you said, would have fought um Ali Pacquiao, Vargas, who'd fought amekhan Khan, all those those guys that um Fordella had boxed, uh, Sean Porter hadn't he. So people yeah. that know boxing, even if they're perhaps not hardcore hardcores, would know who these people are. But they were at the tail not not so much Fordella, but at the end, you know, people like Algeria and Vargas were at the end of their career, and so, and they have had to travel over. You cannot underestimate having to do the travelling over, jet lag, and all that sort of thing, and just not being in your home country and your home, all that sort of thing. It's different. It's it definitely has an impact on results of fights. The location you always have to rate in a way win. Um, so yeah, I, I think i think it was because of that and then the obvious as well you know they <laughs> did fail two drug tests for you know a a substance that would make your testosterone increase as those you know that 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 happened um how it got in his system only it's up to him and his god that knows that um only him and his god know that so who knows but um yeah, I think it was overrated. He's now boxing at a higher weight. He's, he was at 150 the other day. I guess because he was at 150, you think he's going to probably going to taper back to 147. Um, but he's also talking about boxing Eubank. Eddie Hearn was, was quite damning about Eubank, about fighting him. You know, if he's going to box Eubank, I don't think that's any good for him because he's going to be at 160. He's going be against, to be against an even bigger man. 147, I think, where he needs to be. I think that's where he'll carry his power the best. Um but I'm not sure what fights are out there for him, John.
0: Well, he's been very ambitious. He put out a tweet on Sunday morning and he was after Devin Haney, Eubank Jr., Errol Spence, Kell Brook or Barrios.
1: I saw the Barrios one. Barrios is the interim WBC champion, is that right? Yeah. So he wants Barrios because it's... Uh... And Barrios, this is Barrios, the, the tank fought. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So he's kind of, he looks, he doesn't look at himself as kind of rebuilding, which is, although the fights he's having suggest he is rebuilding. Uh, and the weights, I think the weights are important as well, because he's not fighting at championship rounds and he's not, I don't know if he's fighting 12 rounds, but he's, he's not fighting at championship weight, sorry. so I think his matchmaking screams rebuild, but his talking and his promoters talking doesn't say that, to be honest with you. Um, but that's what promoters do. Right. Um, I don't think, I think Kelbrook more, I think it's more likely Kelbrook boxes Eubank, uh, just because of the promotional. I think it's easier. Uh, I think they'd box on sky, um, Barrios, he's with PBC. PBC don't really work with outside promoters. um, I think he probably fights another one someone kind of unheralded again John but maybe back bang on 147 uh, and gets himself a ranking to with probably the WBC because <laughs> <laughs> they're not bothered about you know letting people that have failed a test box for box and get back into their rankings clean sport boxing program and all that sort of stuff um, so yeah yeah I'm not sure I'm not sure what, what do you think do you, th- do you think the Bank fight happens
0: no I don't think the Bank fight happens I think one of them fights Kelbrook, and it's Kelbrook's a mercenary, he doesn't care, he'll bury the hatchet with Eddie if the most money is there. And I can see that fight because 150 does that not sound about roughly where Kelbrook would like a fight? Mm,
1: mm, Yeah,
0: never looked that good at uh, 154 himself.
1: Yeah, yep.
0: found 147 very difficult to make. Mm. 150 seems very Kell weight, if you ask me. Mm,
1: yeah, yeah, that's possible and you'd, you'd fancy Ben, wouldn't you, just because he's fresher. He's just loads fresher. This isn't the shell of Amir Khan standing in front of him. This is a fresh guy that's not had any tough fights, to be honest, other than the kid from Luxembourg um, gave him a toughish fight. But other than that, he's kind of had it all his own way. Um, what What was interesting about that was all the people I spoke to that follow boxing casually didn't Said, oh, did you watch the boxing in the weekend? And I said, oh yeah, Buatzi looked pretty good. And they said, no, 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 not Buatzi, Conor Ben. And despite the boxing being, you know, despite you know Buatzi being on Sky Sports and you know uh, Conor Ben being on the Zone, it is not maybe not his popularity, but people are still following Conor Ben, aren't they?
0: Yeah, he's a massive name, and. I would hazard a guess that he's probably a bigger name than Chris Eubank Jr. at the minute, so I think that would probably sway Brook if the money is there. It will all depend on where they could host a potential Conor Ben pay-per-view, because the board aren't going to back down. He's not going to fight in Britain just now. So it would be, if there is any money there for it, if not, he's going to need to try and get a big name American. They're making all the right noises about a big fight. I wonder if Eddie's just looking to cash him out. Mm. Mm.
1: There were. Did you see the stuff with Tank on Twitter?
0: <laughs> the worst trash talk I have seen in such a long time might like, just make it stop. It was terrible.
1: Yeah, it was. It was a little bit. It was a, a little bit strange. Um, yeah, it, it was a it was a little bit strange, really. Um, he's not good; at it's not natural to him. It's not it's not natural to him, really. Uh, Connor Ben, I, 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 he, there is a little bit of kind of um, there is a little bit of kind of he's like got this faux kind of Cockney thing about him, hasn't he? And then, um, yeah. and then it's like, and then he's trying to do the trash talking as well, and it's just a bit. I don't know. I just find it all a bit a bit cringe, a bit embarrassing, to be honest. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But um,
0: how would you? How would you?
1: Tank Tank would walk walk through him, wouldn't he, John?
0: I think all the names. I like, I actually think Brooke would beat him if he turns up in anything that resembles shape. And assuming assuming that he hasn't put his body through too much hell since the Amir Khan fight. I think, even though it's not a shell of Amir Khan, it's a not particularly good fighter in in Conor Ben he's facing. Like, for example, would you comfortably pick Conor Ben to beat all of Samuel Antwi? Connor Walker and Esso Eckerman, for example, and Harry Scarf. Do you think he wins four out of four no. of those fights against no sort of British slash English level guys? No,
1: I think there's a reason why he's avoided that. He's avoided the tough domestic fights. You know, the guys that are too good for domestic level tend to prove they're too good for domestic level. I.e., we were talking about Boazzi earlier on. But actually, yeah. just walk through domestic level and just beat them all, won all the belts, and said, all "Right, fuck off! I'm going to go and do something else now." Uh, although he's kind of skirted in the middle of it, Connor Ben or his matchmakers, at least, um, is that is that he's at, he's not actually boxed anybody that was ranked in the top ten in Britain. He's boxed everybody from abroad. He's not really he's not really wanted to. You know He's not really wanted to, to box at that level. So no, I wouldn't I wouldn't pick him, would you?
0: No, I, w- I wouldn't pick him in all of those fights. I'd be convinced that he loses at least one. Mm. And when you throw in people like Michael McKinson, mm. these are good, solid pros uh, between English and British title level. Mm. I would be surprised if he legitimately beats all of them. He may get a decision against all of them, mm. but if he legitimately won the fight would be another matter i think that if kelbrook is motivated and focused even he would be beating connor ben like peter dobson was landing clean and he wasn't throwing very often mm. if kelbrook was landing those punches connor ben would be going to sleep mm.
1: yeah yeah I, yeah i think you're right i think you're right and i imagine he's been vigorously drug tested as well um yeah. So yeah, I, I'd agree. I'd agree. I, I, I think he might land on Kelbrook first, just because, like you said, you don't know how he's been living since being retired, and that was a couple of years ago now, wasn't it? The Khan fight. Yeah. Um, so you just don't know. You know, a couple of years out of the ring, not training. You don't. He looks. He looks all right. You know, in shape. He looks in shape. So you don't. He might be in the gym doing bits. Um, but yeah, he might know enough. But yeah, you're right. You're right. Conor Ben's just outside of those kind of washed up americans there's not he's not really had the fights to say yeah he'd beat this guy yeah he'd beat that guy and i think his performances since coming back from his shadow ban if you like kind of kind of shows where he's kind of at um so yeah i suppose we'll see we'll see what ha- what's what's going on for him next but it was interesting to me that people kept talking to me about the Connor ben fight and not the joshua borazzi fight but i suppose he is he is a big name you are right and you mentioned earlier hamza shiraz and liam williams this weekend liam williams had a great run he was he was a kind of a like a 154 guy but that was boxing at middleweight and had a really good one i think he might have won the british title outright um or got close to it did he win it outright john did he
0: I can't remember off the top of my head yeah. if he won it outright. I think he might have done. I'm
1: going to tell people he did, um, but then he gets the Eubank fight. People think, okay, this is interesting. He's knocking people out, you know, early at middleweight at domestic level, and people's like, okay, where are we? We're, you know, this is going to be interesting. And he gets dropped off jabs by Eubank and gets outboxed quite handily. And has never really looked the same since. And he's going in with Hamza Shiraz this weekend, who's you know, a prospect on the way up. WBC silver belt. Um, how do you think that goes this weekend?
0: I'm really not sure, because I used to be very high on Liam Williams when he was at light middleweight. When he first fought Liam Smith with the WBO interim light middleweight title on the line, hmm. He was doing really, really well in that fight until the eye injury meant that he couldn't continue because of the two cuts on the right eye and Smith got the win. He was then really disinterested for the rematch. I think it was a split or a majority to Smith, although Smith won it quite handily. He then had the Demetrius Andrade fight he was down early in that one like he was against Eubank the really interesting thing for me here is he's back training with Gary Lockett who, ah. together they had all that success at light middleweight they were winning the first Liam Smith fight I think they understand one another, they've got a really good relationship I'm struggling to get over how highly I once rated Liam Williams I think it might be too soon for Shiraz. You know, this is a guy who struggled with Bradley Skeet. So, I don't know. And Shiraz is that incredibly tall, wanky frame. All I can think of is the atlantis Fox fight. Mm. He's another freakishly tall guy who Liam Williams stopped. I'm just not ready to stop believing in Liam Williams. So I'm going for the machine for the upset to stop Frank Warren's blue chip prospect. There's my bold call for the night. I like it. What do you think? Am I talking nonsense? No,
1: no, no. I'm not sure about Shiraz at all. I'm not sure about him yet at all. I just don't know where Liam Williams is. That's the thing that's kind of making me a little bit um hesitant to to make a make a pick for williams but you know williams has shown that he he's a puncher at this level that he, he's spiteful at this level and i'm not sure Shiraz is much above domestic level i know he's got a, a wbc trinket but you know i don't think that means much yeah i could see it I could. i, th- I think i think Shiraz might get a decision i think he might win a decision that's going to be my pick but i'd be happy for williams if he won i'd be happy for williams if he won um, so we'll see we shall see and also which is very strange I only realised this earlier on uh, tomorrow night in America um, for you dodgy fire stick guys um, it's Teofimo Lopez and Jermaine Ortiz Jermaine Ortiz who boxed uh, he boxed Lomachenko didn't he um, that's an interesting little fight isn't it
0: it is and it's one that Teofimo Lopez should look good at but after the George Cambosis debacle I don't know if I can ever trust Teofimo Lopez in a fight against a guy that he thinks is beneath him Ah. in these big fights against Josh Taylor and Lomachenko he can step up and bring his A-game. With the Kambosis fight, I know there was a lot of factors. He wanted more money, went to purse bids, Thriller won it, then landed on Matchroom card, etc. Et there was a load of nonsense. He'd been out of the ring for a while. His head wasn't in a good place. But still, he was pretty comfortably beaten by George Kambosis, mm. who is a solid, if unspectacular, guy. So, I would like to think we see the pre-champion version who was knocking out guys like Richard Comey for fun, mm. but I just don't trust Tiafimo Lopez. What do you think?
1: Yes. and then if if there's if there's um, I remember I remember predicting that. I remember doing the big predictions for the year and saying I'm quite proud of it that Tiafimo Lopez would lose a fight that year, and he did. He ended up losing to Cambosas. because you're right. You just can't trust him. You you just uh, you can't trust him. You'd, his relationship with his dad—it just looks so fucking toxic, and that's <laughs> that's that's his fucking trainer and his head guy, and it just looks so fucking. You see clips of them. There was a clip of kind of him doing an interview with some reporter, and then his dad walked in, and it just looked like his whole world had fell out of out of him. Like, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I I'm choosing because I like I like I'm choosing to believe here that he's that he's he's got his head screwed on and he's going to look great like he did against Josh Taylor because I want, I want that to be the case but I'd be happy for teas if he won as well so we'll see we'll see that's Thursday night of um, it's very very strange but that's I guess
0: it's Super Bowl week. it's Super Bowl
1: weekend is it
0: okay yeah that's what it is it's shoulder it's shoulder programming to the Super Bowl with ESPN oh
1: there we go I don't know anything about NFL the only thing I know about Super Bowl is that Usher's doing the halftime show Um, and that'll be good Um, but I've got no interest in NFL some people do but I'd find it really fucking boring do you like it do you like (laughs) the NFL
0: no No, I don't think I've ever watched a game in my life. I don't bet on it. I know nothing about it. I just know it's Super Bowl weekend because my timeline is full of people very excited about it.
1: Okay, because I I find it very like stop-start and then there's an advert. It's like stop-start. I've watched it like, I don't know, not much of it, maybe half an hour or something in my whole life. And they have it at Spurs Stadium, but I would never go to the Spurs Stadium to watch it, even for free. Um, (laughs) Just, yeah, no thank you. No thank you. Yeah, it just doesn't it doesn't do anything for me, um, the NFL or any of that sort of thing. But, you know, you, you like what you like. And I think Usher will do a good job at the halftime show. And that's about all that matters, really, with the NFL <laughs> and all that sort of thing. It just doesn't do it. I don't know. I don't know. It just doesn't. I, do you know what I also find a bit weird? We're at the end of the pod, so let's talk about random shit. At the end of the... Let's go for it. I find it weird when people in the UK really attach themselves to an American sports team. Like, there's people I know that... Yeah. I know someone. He's a lovely guy. But he's into the Bears. Although, to be fair, he's not super passionate about it. So that's probably not a good example. But actually, there's not him. There's someone else I know that's really into the Packers. He's not American. He's born in fucking Middlesex. Like, he's not... <laughs> he's not from Green Bay or wherever the Packers are. I just don't get it. I don't get it. Am I, am I harsh?
0: I, no, it's rugby with shoulder pads and headgear. It's like... They took one of our sports and made it worse. Mm. Mm. Like I, I, don't understand why you'd be into it. Like, go watch rugby. It's the more violent version. Mm. They're not having to wear flipping shoulder pads and helmets. Mm.
1: I made reference to rugby on a on a Spurs pot on the fighting cock on the Spurs pot the other day, and uh, but then Flav said, "Yeah, but don't rugby fans hold each other's dick at the pub?" Because rugby, yeah, they're they a do. bit weird, aren't they? Rugby fans are a bit weird. They like getting naked in yeah. front of each other and all of that sort of thing. They're all a bit weird.
0: Yeah, good point. Another
1: thing, but while we're having a fucking while we're being old men and moaning, one there's one more thing. But it's sports related. Formula One. I like Lewis Hamilton. Pretty cool that he's gone to Ferrari, but I don't understand why people support teams. Unless you're Italian and you're into Ferrari, but I don't understand why a guy from Sussex would be into Red Bull and wear a Red Bull jacket. That's fucking weird. Or cycling. And my heart is yeah. that
0: harsh. No, I I do find it weird, like supporting a car manufacturer. It's just bizarre. Like no, it's not for me.
1: Yeah, and it's like when they'll talk about Red Bull and it will be like we. You mean we? we. It's a fucking drink, <laughs> you freak. <laughs> I dunno. I dunno. I don't know. That'll do anyway, John. I'm gonna leave you to your evening.
0: No worries, Carl. Thank you very much for having me on as always. Alrighty, take care. Cheers.
2: Sport Social Podcast Network.